Welcome to my podcast. I'm sitting once more in the conference room behind the stables in the castle courtyard because it's rather blustery and wintry outside, actually. And I'm sitting here with Mike Withers, who has various aspects to his life from helping his wife, Pat, paint. But at the centre of his life, and the one thing we're going to talk about today, are bees and the role they play in his life and their incredible importance to all of us who live here on this planet. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. And of course, it was a little bit earlier that Pat and I chatted outside in the lovely sunshine. And now it's turning towards the autumn time of year and we're in the conference room. But thank you so much for joining me today. You're very welcome, lady. <laughs> and of course, one of you've got various roles and one of them is actually to aid and abet the boss. Pat, your wife, with painting. And funny enough, the room that we're sitting in, I imagine you also helped her paint. Is that so? Yes, yes, mm. and Richard. And Richard, absolutely. Yes. It is the most lovely, warm, buttery hay colour. And I suppose it's what was the old hayloft and perhaps also where some of the grooms might have stayed. So it's a little bit different today, isn't it? It most certainly is, yes. It's a lovely room, though. And you, it's beautiful oak beams above us. But, but I suppose the one thing I wanted to ask you about today is bees. And I'm sitting holding in my hand a really marvellous certificate which recognises 50 years of beekeeping. And it's the British Beekeepers Association awards the certificate to Mike Withers in recognition of 50 years devoted to bees and beekeeping. So that's a wonderful accolade, but that's actually now 10 years ago, so you're mm. going strong, so I'm looking for the 100 years of beekeeping, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Can I ask you, what first got you into beekeeping? What was your first, what piqued your interest? Possibly the fact that where my mum used to work, for an old doctor and his sister, they kept bees, and they kept them in a corner part of the garden, which was a, a shed adjoining, which was all tumbling down. And I used to get in there and watch them. It was absolutely wonderful to watch those bees going in with their pockets full of pollen, and it really got me interesting. Then, going to Andover Secondary Boys' School, we did a project on bees, and that did it. I've got to have bees. I must have bees. And there was a schoolmaster at... Uh, he didn't actually teach me... But he was at the village school at Hurstbourne and he kept 50 stocks of bees on the side of Hurstbourne Tarrant Hill. I've got a photograph somewhere of his bees in the field. He was packing up and so he heard I was interested in bees and he gave me my first colony of bees. How amazing, Mike. Yeah, it was really wonderful. So can I ask, how old were you then? I was about 16 in a colony of bees, how many bees would be in that colony, Mike? Well, it varies, but I, I would think a decent colony of bees, you've got 20,000 bees in there. 20,000 mm. bees? Mm. My a decent goodness. colony. And then you've got the queen bee in the middle. Yeah. And how long would the queen bee live for? We tend to re-queen re after about three years because they start getting too old then. But some queens actually break down. 
because queen bees lay 2,000 or roughly 2,000 eggs a day. And that's an awful lot of eggs. I'm completely <laughs> speechless. It's an awful lot yeah, of eggs. Yeah. And they do that throughout the summer, not through the winter, presumably. No, not not that moment through the winter. They just keep themselves going in in the winter. Um, so would they start that process in the spring, in yes, sort of April or May or something? Gradually, uh, you would think around about, I'm going to say end of May, June, is the peak when they, they get the most bees they can get for the summer. But now that the honey season is so different because we've now got oilseed rape, which is a very early crop, and that does yield. It used to be that the honey flow was from the second week in July to the last, last of August, six weeks of honey flow is all we get. They get eight months in New Zealand, we get about six weeks. <laughs> wow. So it has extended a bit with the fact that we get all seed rape now, which starts, well, some of it starts blooming in the end of March. Although and I think we haven't been able to grow much this year, actually, here at Highcliffe, because there's been problems with pests so the best thing is because we we keep we don't use many chemicals here as you know so it's just better to rotate and leave it and not grow it at all for some time so i suppose this year there's been amazing lime blossom on the lime trees and they've they've yielded as yielded definitely which is fantastic and then i'm i know that i'm always told I should be planting blue-coloured flowers later on for the season because I think there's something about blue flowers flower later, perhaps. I'm not really sure, but there's quite a few... Well, buddleias, obviously, and other yes. flowers like that yes. running later yeah, in the they season. Lo- they do look buddleia. They always say buddleia for butterflies, but I have seen bees working the buddleia this year. And, of course, you've got borage. Yes. Which which is a, a great one. And f- Felicia, they call it. Felicia? Yes, and because actually, and yes, you're right. That's a new crop now. Yes. It is. And the other thing is that I've realised that Simon has planted fields of oxide daisies because we've harvested yes. the seed and fleas yeah. of cornflowers. So yes. I hope your bees really enjoyed those oh, yeah, this they summer. Do. They <laughs> do. I wonder where they were getting the, it from because we're still taking honey off. This is some I've taken off recently. Well, I think one of the last fields of wild flower meadows has now been cropped there may be one more yet to come i can't quite remember what simon was yeah. telling me simon being our farm manager but and there's wildflower borders now there always have been around many of the fields but it's interesting we are actually in some ways going back mike to the earlier rotation yes. longer rotations of That's right. of pre the second world war mm. if you like and I was reading in some medieval documents, which, as you know, I'm potty about. And, History, and, yeah. yeah they were, they were, there were some records of the crops they were growing and all the different mm. trees they were planting. Yes. And we've obviously, George and I have planted um, a little orchard by the field house where we live part of the year. But I was reading how um, Bishop William of Wickham had planted... 61 pears and apple trees and quinces and crab apples. It was absolutely fascinating. And hives and bees were so important yeah. I mean, throughout all of our history. Yes. That's right, isn't it? It is. Yeah, most, most of the big houses now have got their own bees. This, this place has always had bees because Jack Day had bees. Oh, did he? Yes, Jack Day had bees down the bottom of your garden. 
Did he? Well, that's why we've got such a good garden, <laughs> clearly. How yeah. lovely. I can't remember, you were telling me, what is it they say? We can't survive without bees and pollinators, can we? No, but they said within four years, the humans will be dead without pollinators. And that's what bees are. And I think never have more people lived in towns compared to the country. And I think you therefore learn less about country law as in L-O-R-E rather than the, the law of the land. Yeah. But it is important because if you don't have that connection to nature and the diversity of nature, you don't have the connection to the diversity of food, food and no. how you eat and build right. it all up, which is so, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, you, you mustn't say this about towns because let's face it, the biggest one is London, the biggest city, and there's surprising how many hives of bees there is in London. Top of Harrods. And really? Yes. Oh, yeah. They're well, that the is roof. fantastic. Yeah. They have them on the roofs. Yeah. That is fantastic. I think it's just the life in London. You're mm. less aware of it rather yes. than I think yeah. there are some great people keeping, keeping hives. And, and is there a sort of Hampshire beekeeping association yes. that you're part of as well? Yes. Yes, definitely. So there's regional ones and then the national one. Yeah. Would yeah, that be I'm correct? In that, I'm in the Andover beekeepers, which is connected with Hampshire beekeepers. Right. And I'm in Newbury, which is Berkshire. Oh, excellent. So I'm connected with the Everybody. two. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. Whenever, if I'm not feeling so great, I tend to turn to thinking about what I'm eating in order to try to improve my immune system. And I was reading in the papers the other day that they were just talking about the wonders of honey. Yeah. I mean, have you been aware of that as well, Mike? I've been told that it does help with this terrible covid Oh, really? Yeah. I suppose it's an antiseptic and yes, anti-inflammatory. Yes, Very, very good for anyone, you know, with any breathing problems. That is very good. If you get a heavy cold on your chest, honey is honey good for you. Honey is the answer. Yeah. Well, I think my husband, I'm afraid, mixes it with a bit of whiskey. <laughs> but, um, oh, and I gather Pat does as well, <laughs> does she, your wife. Oh, well, there yeah. we go. Yeah. They're in good company. Yeah. But I... It spoils the honey. Well, I sort of think the honey is amazing and yeah. um, and sometimes I tend to mix it in, in some yoghurt most evenings and it's, it's my good for it's, good it's for my pudding. A lot, every a lot of people use it instead of sugar on well, the I cereals sugar, and stuff yes. like that, you see. I think it's, I use it instead of sugar. I don't have any sugar if I can. I tend to turn to honey and have that on my porridge yeah. or with some blueberries. Yeah. And, yeah. You're kind of away, aren't you? And I read in the old days that you also used to put honey on a wound. It's supposed to in the, again, medieval times, back to, back to my old country law. That but the one they use mostly now is the, the New Zealand one, Manuka honey. Very expensive. I mean, that's about £31 for a jar like that. There right. must be something very, very good in this Manuka honey. I mean, I'd love to charge £31. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes the honey is cloudier and sometimes it's clearer. So, And sometimes it's set. So can you explain to me the difference between the honey? That's honeys? why I brought those two, milady. Excellent. I've got two jars that, of honey in front of me. Yeah, that one, as I say, they've been bought recently. This one was probably one of the last. The and clearer that, jar that, of yeah, honey. and that's still good. But that is now turning granular. That's how it will gradually go down till it goes down to white. Oh, so that's just a process of time? That's the process, yeah. Fine. And yours are always from the same hives, and, and I suppose the taste depends on what the bees have what been feeding yes. and collecting. Yes. Do you have a favourite? 
I think the, the ba best one of all is white clover. That's if you can get it. But um, no, I do, I do like the, the normal one reindeer, the lime. Yeah. Uh, get a nice mixture of lime, you've got a real good one. But the, the most horrible honey is ivy. That's a very horrible honey. And rape honey, just sweet. There's no taste to it much. But get yourself a bucket full of ivy honey and a bucket full of rape. Mix them together and you've got a wonderful honey. Oh, how interesting. Because how it, interesting. one helps the other. How interesting. Yeah. My father used to like heather honey, so I always remember he used to... I don't know why he used to like that, but that's, I think, because his childhood in Scotland. Yes, made him probably. really like it. Yeah. Heather honey is an acquired taste. Heather honey would never look like that. It's always, uh, what they call it, sort of globular. Oh, it's, is it? Yeah. You cannot extract honey like we extract that, not heather honey. It has to be pressed. They'd so. probably charge me more for buying it, <laughs> they? So, but I was wondering how often, when the bees are producing honey and the honeycombs, how often can you go and collect it from them, Mike? I've known a, a, a good stock of bees fill a, a crate in a fortnight right. and ripen it. You know, they probably fill it in a week, but then they've got to ripen it and cap it. Right. And it probably in a good season, you could get a crate in a fortnight Goodness quite me. easily. Goodness and that me. would be a crate is thirty pound roughly in a crate. And then at the end of the season, then do you begin to leave their last um, stocks of honey with them for feeding over the winter? Yes, we we try to keep, if we can, something around about thirty pound with them. Right. And then we put candy on the top, so that if they run out, they come up to the top and they've got nothing. Come in for the candy. Will all the, the, the worker bees at that point, will they all just stay quiet in the hive? How long do they live for? Well, the, the worker bees, there might be a few die through the winter, but otherwise than that, they don't want to lose too many in the winter because they must keep the warmth. Right. Because in the winter, the queen stays in the middle and the bees are moving in and out like that to keep the temperature the same in the middle. And the outer one's coming in for a warm. <laughs> and that's how they're doing that all the time. What is the is the worst sort of weather? In incessant rain, I presume snow, in a sense, can probably insulate uh, them. Or well, snow can insulate, and snow doesn't really do them any harm. But incessant rain, they get if they get dampness. Dampness is the worst thing for killing them. Well, I think it's like us, isn't it? Dampness yes, can dampness. Can, yeah, we can yeah. lose our spirits and enthusiasm <laughs> Definitely. if it's too damp. My goodness me. And and so a worker bee will live again two or three years, or how does that work? No, no, no. A worker bee in the summer only lives six weeks. Six weeks? Mm. That's why the queen's got to lay 2,000 eggs a day. Wow. So the last set of worker bees to be born are the ones who then overwinter. Yeah, they've got to survive the winter. And does the queen know to regulate and is there some is as the season goes on is there something within her own makeup or i suppose intuitional knowledge that the last set of worker bees have something different which allows them to overwinter or how, how do they survive the winter if the others are dying on a much shorter cycle a worker bee from egg to bee a queen is 14 15 days a worker bee is 21 and a male bee, the drone, is 28. So 
this is how they, they, they regulate all the time. The worker bee, as soon as it's born, doesn't go out and fly. It does all the hive work. Feed the young, clean the hive, and all that for its first three weeks. And then its next three weeks, he's got to go out foraging. And his wings get all tattered with wear. Thousands of miles they fly. And then they're worn out and they die. But in the winter, they can't get out and fly, so they don't get worn so out. So they stay intact. So they, they stay in this when they eat their honey then. And then they start again as the weather warms up. That's right, yeah. And then they start going out and the cycle begins again. Yeah. How extraordinary. And when a queen bee dies and you need to get a new one, where does the queen bee come from? Well, I, I get mine now from dealer in Andover. And I think most of her bees are now coming from from Romania. Good Lord. But the bees that they're using is called a Buckfast Queen. And they were uh, um, done by Brother Adam at Buckfast. But they're bred in Romania. And I've heard say, because I bought three, three lots this year, and all three swarmed. No, yeah, all three because Heather's swarmed. And my other two swarmed. And they had all their queen cells along the bottom of the frame. And that's where they shouldn't be. They should be about three parts of the way up, nice long cells. And that's what they call, you know, a good uh, queen. Yes. These others are what they call swarming queens. And apparently Romania are now breeding queens to sell. So they're breeding them as fast as they can. So they're like swarming queens. So they're not so good. But Brother Adam's Buckfast queens were beautiful. And they're so quiet to handle. So Mike, you've mentioned Brother Adam at Buckfast Abbey, which is in Devon to the yes. southwest of where we are today. So could yes. you tell me a little bit about him? Yeah, Brother Adam was one of the monks at uh, Buckfast. And he was very much into breeding bees to the strain that he wanted. And he was going out to Austria and places like that, getting bees off the mountainside and bringing them back and cross-breeding these bees till he got the, the actual one he wanted, which is now called the Buckfast Queen. And they are bred as a Buckfast Queen. Can you still get them today? Yes. You can. Yes, you can get them today. Uh, as I say, they're born uh, out in um, Germany and um, Romania. Uh, I had Last year I had a, a German book fast, and I found that they're a lovely bee, and they really do work, and they're so quiet, you hardly get stung with those. The Romanian book fast, I'm not so sure of. I'll tell you next year on those because <laughs> I've only just got them this year and they swarmed a lot. Right. So we don't want that. <laughs> well, perhaps I can contribute to helping you get a couple more Buckfast, German Buckfast peas if they're German good Buckfast, ones. It'd be lovely. Yeah, I'd like to do something to, you know, from Highcliffe as a small thank you anyway. So yeah. that would be fantastic. And George and I would love to do that. There is a, a New Zealand queen... They're very, very large, very, very light in colour, and they really do produce bees, and they really are quiet. 
But the trouble is, they don't have eat. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, my, Malcolm, my cousin, he had one. Uh, he, he was so pleased with it because it's so nice to handle. And he lost them in the window. They ate all their food. He just couldn't keep up with them. Uh, uh, this this buckfast is a good working bee. It's not a greedy bee. Right. So that's why it is. And uh, they're not bred in this country anymore, Mike. Um, yes, Jed Marshall breeds a buckfast queen in this right. country, but he wants about forty-six pound for a queen. Right. <laughs> you could put that queen into a hive, and they kill it. Yes. Forty-six pound in the pan. Yes. You've got to be just right. Well, it's all this delicate balance. It's the balance, yeah. You've got to get it right. This year, I had one stock of bees. I kept putting queen cells in, queen cells in, and they were just killing it off, killing it off, and they had no queen. And then all of a sudden, they've turned up with a queen. Don't know how they got it, but they've got one. <laughs> <laughs> they clearly wanted their own and were yeah, not interested yeah, in yours. Yeah. <laughs> Is it difficult to breed a queen? Uh, I've not I've bred one. I keep saying I'm going to try it. I, I do it, you know, sort of partly, uh, what shall we say, normal. Uh, you look through the hive and, oh, yeah, there's a lovely queen cell. Take your old queen away and the bees think they've swarmed because the right. old queen's gone. Let the young queen hatch and it's all done. But if you don't take it away, that old queen will say, oh, they want a new queen now. They're off, I'm gone, and they swarm. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's trial and error all the time, but... What they t tend to do now is they'd get a brood frame and they'd cut the wax like that in, in sort of V and they'll hang these queen cells off. And then when they've got a, a, a grub in there hatching, yes, they cut that away and they put it in a hair curler yes, and let the other bees feed it and the queen will come out in there. Because if two queens meet, they fight till death. Yes. So you've got to keep them apart. This is the difficult thing of queen rearing. You've got to keep them apart, otherwise... But in the, in the old days, before man was involved, um, how, did the, 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 how, how did the bees produce a queen? Or did one queen die, so another one naturally oh, they're, 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 You can do that. Uh, you know, if, if you think the queen's had it, she's not, not doing it, you can kill her. And they, they will take an egg from a cell up to four days old and put into a queen cell which hangs down rather than in, in, it hangs down, and then they feed up raw jelly. How extraordinary. And then she How comes out as a queen. They are the most extraordinary Absolutely. insects, Absolutely. aren't they? Quite yeah. extraordinary, and so important to our fruit business, to our, oh, to yeah. our life here on, the, on Earth. Mm. And I, somehow in, the, in their routines and their knowledge, I think they know, golly, they are... Completely mind-blowing. And so at the moment, Mike, this autumn, the bees are still collecting honey. Will you be able to get a little bit more honey out? Or will yes, yeah, we've, we're hoping to get a little bit more. We won't get a lot more. Some yeah. of them are shut down and uh, given them their varroa treatment because, as you know now, there's a, a mite in bees that kills them, varroa mite, and we have to treat for that. I think in some ways, Mike, this extraordinary and challenging spring and summer that we've been through has been interesting and I 
in terms of people's realization perhaps that we've been offered a reset button we've been offered some silence and the sound of silence sound of silence and, yeah lovely you know, sound we've done it. less mowing we've had more bee orchids in the wildflower meadow yes. I've never seen so many it's been good. really exciting and the really diversity good. within the wildflower meadow has never seemed greater i mean i hope i looked already but looking this year it seems ever more present yes and and i think there is more growth coming in some of the wild thyme which is also important now as as the wildflower meadow falls over actually and it's it's going into the autumn time but i just hope that we can all perhaps do a little less consume a little less of processed goods and enjoy and less less life spray. a little bit more yeah this was what was doing it and i looked grass verges and that on the roadside there was so much spray used the wildflowers were disappearing but now they're not using the spray they can't use the spray so we're getting a lot more wildflowers now good and well it's, that's it's, very positive. it's a good thing yeah it is it a really good thing is. isn't yeah. it i hope the bees in the hives will begin to flourish a little bit more in future yeah, years. I think they will. I, I mean, I've got 16 lots now, so um, I've, I think I'm right in saying I've got 18 buckets of honey still to bottle. My bottle. goodness. That's pretty amazing. And actually, when there were some visitors here, it must have been last year now, do you remember there was a, a hive had swarmed and was in a tree on the south lawns in front yes, of the castle? And I he was a major attraction. Everybody stood quite a way back and there you were dressed up in all your bee gear. And I had to go and have my photograph taken with two of the young ladies from America. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember so, that as well. That was yeah, fun. And was. you know, catching them with the scap and watching you yeah. do all that was oh. completely riveting. I think young Richard might have been there helping you. I can't yeah. remember now. Campbell. Oh was it Campbell? Mm. Campbell was there helping yeah. you and, and he didn't get stung. <laughs> I did. Did you? <laughs> Quite a few times, yeah. But and you... this year they've been worse than ever. Have they? Oh, they're vicious. <laughs> but they don't, I mean, I don't know, do bees recognise what you're doing or the beekeepers or what is um, that that prompts them to Sometimes sting? I think they do. Uh, sometimes they really go for you and then all of a sudden they calm down. They're attracted to scent and they can smell. They can smell if you're frightened, then they'll go for you. If you're, fr if you're frightened... You, you tend to perspire, and they pick that up, and then they get quite nasty. Providing you can stay calm, they're all right. Yeah, they really are. They're, re they're really interesting things. When you'd collected all the bees in the skep with all the visitors around you last summer, what, where do you take the skep next, Mike? Well, we put it into a nucleus box, I think. Probably, if you remember, there was a nucleus box on the ground, uh, a grey polystyrene nucleus box. You can get various sizes. That was actually a six-frame one. We put them in that and let them... When they started breeding and they fill it out, we put it into a hive then, which is 11 frames. So then they fill that up. So you go from cottage to castle. That's right. Cottage <laughs> to castle. That's, that's correct, yes. Oh, Very good. I've known so many people. Dave Lockhart, he was quite interesting. But he's got his own hive now. Has he? 
That is yeah. lovely. Yeah. And he's got one of my dogs. So there we go. Yeah. He's what a, very a lovely good man. dog that is too. Abby, she's oh. you know she's called Abby, so she after Dancing Abby obviously. She's very sweet. Yeah. She really is. Yeah. I think she's been such success and, and given Dave's wife such a lot of love as yes. well. Yeah. She's more at home and he's out fixing all our electricity and there's usually something gone wrong or 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 something that needs replacing, isn't there? But without yeah. a doubt. But you say animals recognise voice. We got a cat. She's now nearly twenty. As soon as Pat comes home, she knows Pat's voice and she's there. They're the they're the boss. I'm the I'm the I'm the young one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure whether... I mean, Geordie's sort of the boss, isn't he? But he doesn't always know what I'm doing, so no. it kind of works quite well in no, that I way. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I know that one. That's very yes, true. I know you do. Yeah. And actually, your wife, Pat, always says to me, well, as we start a project, now, does Lord Carnarvon know about this or not? And it's quite frequently or not. <laughs> or not, <yeah. laughs> And I do share most of what um, my bright ideas are with him, but it's choosing the time and the place to tell your husband, and I think I'm just the same as everybody else. <laughs> but you have been such an amazing support, and I long. I hope you go on carrying on to be such a wonderful support dear, also to to Pat in, in your life here together mm. and the little cottage that you live in, the other yep. side of the park from us. It's... I always love driving by you and I look over the hedge to see if you're in or not or pottering in your garden. <laughs> it's an amazing garden you have, which doesn't surprise me at all with all your bees. I had uh, one hive of bees in the garden years ago. I was out there working them and our neighbour came out in her garden and oh, she had the bees all after her. So she said, I've got some in the air. I said, well, go round the front door, Joyce, and I'll come round. She went through the house. She opened the front door and they was waiting for her. <laughs> oh, no. That's right. So I said, well, we can't have bees in the garden. So that's when we took them out of the garden. But now I've got four in the garden. <laughs> so if you're stung by a bee, what is the best thing to put on it, Mike? Well, they always used to say the old blue bag. You can get stuff now from the chemists, you know. I take now, I take a tablet every day and that one stops it. Oh, how lovely. Yeah, I don't, I don't swell much at all. Oh, that's very useful. Very good but tip. I, I, wasps. I got stung with a wasp again the other day. Oh, that's painful. Yes. <laughs> They're worse. Like... It's, it's a different venom. It is a it's very a different, different venom, venom to a bee. Bees give us something which is so beautiful and such a con- contribution to our life and our yeah. food. And I think we're all very good at enjoying our food. And your parties in the summer with Pat are legendary. And I know oh, you haven't been able to have them this year. No, we... But I think we're all going to have to party next year, Mike. Oh, definitely. I hope we can all find ourselves winding our way up to your house. Oh, brilliant. Next summer for brilliant. a jolly good party. We'll toast your bees and toast in summer 2021, I, I think. I think we'll have one as soon as this blooming lot's over. I Excellent. think that's when we're going to have one. We're going to have a good party. Excellent. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. I, has, I have, as ever, learnt so much from you and really appreciate all you do. Yeah. And bees are a key part of all of our lives on this planet and they need to carry on, as we do, with some care yes. and consideration for others. Thank you, Mike. Thank you very much, Lady Carnarvon. Lovely to speak to you. It's always lovely speaking to you. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. I don't want you to miss out on the next one. So please do try and press the subscribe button.